I remember doing a workshop and I, uh, I had a bunch of teenagers in the group and I dumped out all these Nike shoes and they didn't know it, but one of them was going to be like in three weeks from now that was going to be the new Air Jordan. And this kid picks this up and he says, let me tell you about how Air Jordans work. Okay. Brad, are you ready to have your first bow tie, first timed bow tie tying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Timed, timed tying. Um, I am ready. It's funny. I thought I, I practiced every, I, I was going to practice every day and I have such a lack of discipline. I have not uh, practiced till about a half an hour ago. I tried to do it, but um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Amazing. Yeah. So you'll. I'll give you a, the thing. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a, three tries, one at the beginning, one in the middle, and then one towards the end and your time to beat the time to beat, uh, was set on the most recent interview I did. So it's 56 seconds. Oh, time okay. To Which I, I think is doable. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Um, I didn't time myself at all. Cause I just, I'm trying That's to fine. Get... It's better not to think of it. Better not I'm not happy it. with whatever I get and okay. I just will get to the, to the, to the bow tie that looks like a bow tie part. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So we'll start with the, start with the bottoms level. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause that's a bit of a skill also like knowing sort of right difference difference in height to get them and palms up. Okay. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Set. Go. Okay. He quickly gets the height up. He's got that first over under. Got his first bow pitch pinched and he's going around with the other loose end. It's Gonna push through his second bow now. Oh, he's putting the second bow at the front of the first bow, which is unusual. Really trying to focus here. Sorry if I'm not uh, chatty. That's cool. It's looking good. And it's, it's nearly done. Yeah, pretty much have it there. Wow. Wow. I could, you know, I can obviously make it prettier. But I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I know how to tighten it a little bit. Like I know that I, 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 I pull this a little bit and then I can do this a little bit before I went out to the opera, I would do a little extra to make it look real pretty. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think claim, claim your first, your first one was fine. Well, okay. All right. I just, you know, quality is always an important thing for me. Yeah. So here's the time. Oh. Smash the record. <laughs> nice. I love this bow tie. I love this bow tie because I love the red and I've been playing with it when I was practicing of getting like, actually I did it that time. So you can get blue and red. Ooh. Yeah. And I think, you know, my hats off to the design. I think this was your design. If I remember. Well, I, I mean, I, 
I wasn't involved. The tailors just worked their magic. So <laughs> I kind of just noticed, Hey, this one's like two-sided. So. Well, it's just, and you talked about the election and I, and just the c people coming together and, you know, instead of being so divisive and I just loved everything about it. <clears throat> Although when I picked it, it was just cause I liked the look of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I definitely like that two sides of the same coin thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I can be red one day and blue another day and. <laughs> Fantastic. That's awesome, Arnie. Yeah. Nice going. I like you. Yeah. I think we mentioned it before, but you've got a slightly different method to other people I've seen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember trying to do, I was, I, I was, I wanted to do it your way, uh, or the way you showed me. And, and I, you know, occasionally when I've had to wear a bow tie, I'll look at YouTube videos or whatever, but what I just did is what I used to do. I think I mentioned over 30 years ago, I used to wear, um, bow ties to presentations and stuff. Um, can you remember where you got it from? Uh, no, I mean, I, 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 at the time I lived in LA, um, and I was young and I would have gone to kind of cool, you know, like in Venice and stuff that they're, they're just, this is cool places to get, you know, vintage clothes and stuff. So mm. other that, um, also Vicky, my wife, um, uh, uh, would occasionally buy me a special bow tie. So. That's yeah. Cool. yeah. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. So I did, it's nice that I had, I already had an affinity for them. You see, so. Yeah. And then what, like, what started you, uh, what started you wearing that you sort of mentioned you wore them for work? Like, was there just one day you woke up, you're like, I'm going to start wearing this or. I mean, it, it's interesting. It's not. In a funny way, I don't think it's dissimilar to the, to the broader conversation we're having on creativity, uh, today, um, in that I think, you know, for me, I just, I've always liked, um, like not being totally conventional, <laughs> you know, just like, I don't want to, I, I, I don't, I don't want to be, um, I never want to stand out in an eccentric way, but I do, I love to just, just express a little bit of me this just outside of the norm, outside of the status quo, outside of what's, you know, what everybody else is doing. Um, and it's done, you know, from, it's not done in a kind of purposeful, shocking way. It's done in a kind of like, I'm just letting a little bit of myself out their way. Yeah. And I was wearing them regularly. I just, you know, they, they definitely, it was in the mid eighties and, and, uh, to late eighties probably. And, and, um, I don't recall it being a trend or, a, you know, anything like that. Um, yeah. but I, uh, I enjoyed it, you know, so it was nice. And, and then I just, you know, I guess in a meeting, I didn't look like everybody else. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so fun. Uh, I yeah. you mentioned this thing of wanting to be a bit different or sort of expressing yourself a little bit. Do you know what the, what the roots of that were? I don't, it's like a difficult question, but I don't know. Maybe there's, maybe there's someone in your life who inspired you or something like that. Um, I mean, that's a good question. I don't, you know, I, I definitely have had people who've inspired me and who have been mentors. And I think there's definitely a very influential period of time when I was living in, in my early twenties to mid twenties in, in London, working in advertising there. 
and I, I did, I was very lucky to be, I mean, I, you know, I, I had, you know, one big mentor, um, uh, but I also had lots of influences. I just, it was like a hothouse of, you know, especially the London advertising scene, at least back then, there was just like characters and people and, and the way they express themselves and, and, a, and a, a kind of a wildness as well, which I just always liked. So, so that was a period of time that was definitely yeah. influent. Um, but having said that, I mean, I just, I think there's also something that's just naturally probably in all of us. I mean, I, I you know, I, I often did something that was the opposite to what everybody else was doing, you know, yeah. back in, I remember everybody's wearing long hairs and the, you know, the long hair and the, you know, I guess it would be the early seventies, um, to mid seventies. And I, I remember just, you know, getting a crew cut, you know, and just, just to be totally different, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I didn't keep it that way, but I did it for a summer, you know, and it's, yeah. it's just, you know, um, and I also had long hair too, but it, it, it just like, I, it, there, there was always a little something in me that wanted to not do what everybody else was doing. You mentioned that uh, you had one, uh, sort of big mentor would, are you happy to talk about who that is or? Yeah, it is. In fact, I, I, um, as I'm talking in, in this, in the moment with you, I'm, I'm realizing I'm getting a little emotional because mostly because I, uh, you know, as, as when, when we last chatted, I mentioned that we retired mm. and, you know, and I have not, um, shared that news with my mentor. His name is Mike Butterworth and, uh, he, uh, he lives in London and I did go and visit him, uh, oh gosh, it was probably four years ago, five years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty special after many years and, um, but yeah, I do want to share with him, but yeah, he was just such a, I was just so lucky. He was, he was my boss, um, at, uh, an advertising agency called the Hutton company, which was in London and, uh. God, he just, he took me under, it's so funny. Cause I, I, I didn't know I was being mentored, you know, it just, it, but I, but I, uh, I was like a sponge. I just kind of absorbed you just everything he, the way he thought, the way he approached problems, the way he literally would sit down with paper and pencil and, you know, and, and, and work something through. Um, he actually also found me a flat in the, you know, an apartment if, if anybody in America is listening to this, you know, and like, and, uh, which was in his own, in the building he lived in. It was on Portobello, just off of Portobello Road in Notting Hill Gate and uh, uh, Colville Terrace. I can remember even that. And uh, so even, you know, even afterward, I was always learning from him too. And and his, he was older obviously than me, but he just, he had such, such interesting friends. And he, uh, he, he, you know, he just seemed to include me. I mean, like a little brother or something. I don't know, but I, I used to, it didn't ever feel like anything like that. He just, you know, it's some, it just be spontaneous. You want to go out for a pint and the next year I was, I was with three or four interesting people or whatever. So, but anyway, yeah, he, 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 I owe him a lot. Um, I'm very, very appreciative of, of my approach to, um, you know, branding and advertising and all that kind of stuff. I like it. And I like, I like how it, you often pass that on. Right. And it's, you can't really pay that back, but you can kind of pass it on. Uh, I yeah. you've, you've done that for me a little bit, like helping us with Zimbo ties. And, yeah. Uh, I think your work with the charity work you're doing now. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I don't, I don't do it in a conscious way. It's, it's pretty natural. I hope it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I, I, I can promise you, I never felt like I'm going to be Kim's mentor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I truly value um, our time together and um, I also value what you're doing. And I think that's one of the things I'm finding that when I value something, uh, I just want to put more into it and because uh, I appreciate it. So yeah, that's how it's been with you and with other yeah. things I'm, that are uh, my passion now too. Yeah, no, that's really cool. One of the big questions I was going to ask you in this is, and you've touched on it already, is creativity and what, how would you define it or how would you explain it to people? Yeah, and it, it's, it's interesting. I, it did occur to me that um, being creative is very different to being an artist. And I don't, you know, and, and I think an artist is, Actually, I don't even want to go there because I haven't thought it through properly, but an artist kind of like maybe just spends more time expressing their creativity in, in very kind of specific ways. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think that creativity though, for me has been, I mean, this is a driving force for, for in me forever, which mm. is, you know, and, and I haven't, I mentioned this from the very beginning from wearing bow ties when nobody else was wearing them, but mm. just because I wanted to. I, I, I've had this, it's a resist, it's, it, this, the, the, com, there's a complacency in the status quo. There's a complacency in just kind of going with the flow with what's normal, which was with, with, with what's ordinary, which, you know, what, what's expected. And although I have a high regard for all those things, um, and thriving within a, a given construct or a paradigm, um, vocation, academia, whatever you want to call it, you know, thriving within those, those rules and whatever, that's cool. I've always found I had to be outside of that. You know, I yeah. had to, and I, and I just, and I, I did just a, a real, I just would not be complacent. And what that meant was, um, it was pushing myself to be, uh, to, to find outlets and expression beyond what was typical. And sometimes it was just, you know, it's how I could participate in certain areas. Um, yeah, because I, it, it, maybe I, I've always had a really hard time. I don't think I was ever diagnosed dyslexia because I don't think they knew what it was when I was a kid. Um, but I do, you know, I have to send out words and I'm, I'm you know, it's, I have to take my time and, it, and, and I, I always did well at school, but I had to work really, 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 really hard um, just to be okay at it. But when I, when I stepped outside the status quo, I found, um, that I could, I could get attention. I could do worthwhile things. Um, I could contribute. Um, and yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other day, I was, I was, I was asked at a meeting, you're supposed to like surprise somebody with, you know, something of your past. And it, I don't know if this, if there's linkage, but just speaking with you, it just comes to my mind. Um, I was really into magic when I was a kid and me and my friend Rex had a magic show. And I, in many ways, I think what I enjoyed about magic, we did birthday parties for kids and we even did a, I think we had one adult show and we had, we had live animals in that, you know, bunnies and stuff. It was pretty, <laughs> pretty wild. Um, and then now I'm, I'm my sidekick in magic is my, my grandson who's three years old, but, um, you know, I think that there's something about magic that 
what makes it special is it's not what it, the, whatever you expect, you're surprised. When you see the magic, you're like, you, you're, you expect something to happen a certain way. And it's like the, the wow, the magic is that it doesn't happen the way you expect it to happen. And it, it's not that different to this driving force I'm describing to you, you know, about so what I've pursued, you know, in, in life is just not being, you know, complacent with how everybody else does everything, you know? Yeah. So, so would you say you were trying, yeah. Yeah. sorry? I, I... Oh, oh, I was going to say that I'm not critical of the status quo at all. Or yeah. like that. It's the normal way of doing things. Um, I've just found it, uh, rewarding to yeah. step aside at least a half a step outside of that and see things in a new way or a fresh way, or most importantly, not just for me, it's for other people. If I can, I believe you almost have to step out of what's normal to be provocative, you know, to, to challenge a little, to capture people's imagination a little. That yeah. if you serve something up that they expect, then they breeze through it like a bunch of bullet points, you know, or skim through the paper or whatever. But if you want them to take pause, and you want them to think and you want to provoke their imagination, at least in, in my, my heart, I think you have to step outside a little tiny bit and, and, and help other people with you see something they think they know really well in a new way or a fresh way or a refreshed way. And I guess, did you, uh, so when you were doing like just sharing your ideas and stuff, did that feel like you were doing that for yourself or for an audience kind of thing with like magic, with like a magic show, you're, you're sort of leading people down one, like they're expecting one thing and suddenly this happens. Uh, would you feel like that you had in your work to some extent, like that? Uh, yeah. You had a different yeah. kind of audience. I think so. Whether it was a, a magic show as a kid or, or, you know, giving a presentation to, you know, um, grownups in a, in a marketing meeting or something. Um, you know, I, I, I always try, always, uh, wanted to, um, I can't say, you know, things like wonder, delight, you know, these kinds of, um, experiences. I, I don't think they come out of something that, that, that you're used to seeing. I think they have to, they, they come out of just, um, I don't know the ether that's just outside of what, what everyday normal is. And so, and I, whether it can, so whether if, if I was doing magic, of course, I wanted to be so convincing that it like, that, that it, that it, that it made the audience like in awe or wonder, or, or just, you know, and, and, and in our, my presentations, you know, uh, in work, um, my time with my children and then now grandchildren, I, 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 there's, there's something in me that just constantly wants to open that little space up and I don't know where it is in your head, but it's just where delight and wonder and awe, and maybe they're just reminders of how awesome it is to be alive on earth, you know, yeah. um, but uh, that's always been something I, I've wanted to do. And, and even in work, you think, why, how, how do you do that in work? And, you know, I did it in my own little ways and lots and lots and lots of different times, but I, um, but for me having clients, um, 
see, you know, the clients usually just know almost too much about, you know, whatever they're, whatever they need to know, because that's their job. But to be able to come back and do a market research project and come back and share our insights in a way that surprised them or, or, or offered a different angle or lens to look through something that they knew really well, that often is where the creative spark came for them. I wasn't being creative, but I know that, or maybe I was being, maybe I was being creative in the way I was sharing the story of something of our findings or, or insights. But what I get a kick out of is when, when, the, when, when, when there's a spark or two or three sparks and, 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 and people, um, I strategically or creatively something pops in them and they, and they say, we, well, what if, what if, oh, we could do this. So we could try that, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, you know, in, in, I guess in work, uh, that's something that I always strove for too. So for me, I guess that's good, but it's, you know, creativity, but I don't separate like, you know, work and magic shows and being a dad and, um, even just hanging out with friends, you know, whatever it is, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> cool. And, and, uh, did like, was there something about the time that you grew up or influential people in your life, you think that supported that for you? Like, I think that's a, you know, that's a great question. And, um, because it, it, you know, I, I think one, I, I'm, I'm not saying that this life event I'm going to share with you had to happen to kind of shape the way, you know, I, I, uh, I saw the world, participated in the world, contributed hopefully a little bit, um, experienced, um, the world, but in 1976, I was 16 years old and my I was living in, uh, in Los Angeles and, uh, dad was having a hard time with work. He, he was an amazing chemist and then became business person and, and did, he did wonderful things, but he had a couple of tough years and he got a job in England, in the North of England. Um, and we moved to Nantwich in Cheshire. It was just, you know, it was, it's a, not a tiny town, but pretty small. At least it was when we were there. And, uh, and I went to, uh, never graduated high school here in the States, but I, you know, I, I, I did my A levels, um, in England. And then I went to college at Keele university. The school I went to was a total from, it was from little kids right through, you know, 17 year olds, 18 year olds. And there were only 300 students and graduating class was typically 50 to 60, yeah. um, boys. And, uh, you know, what going from the the culture the culture differences between being a teenager in Southern California, um, where, you know, on a beautiful day, you go in English class and read outside in the quad or whatever, you know, and going to this very strict boys school where they, you know, would make sure you're wearing the right color socks, you know, and your ties done right and all that, you know, and, and, uh, you know, it just, it was, it was so different and it was such, although the same language was spoken and you must have experienced this too growing up in Zimbabwe, but also spending time in England, Scotland, I'm sure in America that even sharing a common language, the cultures are very, very different, you know? And I think it, it really does benefit. I think everybody should, 
have this experience of, of being somewhere again, not familiar, you know, not like where they grown up, you know, not like it doesn't, that you have to find a way to, um, fit in enough to be accepted and, and learn from that. Um, but it also gives you some space to learn about yourself and learn about others. Um, and how not everybody is the same, not everybody has the same history. And so anyway, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, I haven't really thought it all through, but I, but I think that, that moving to a completely different country and it doesn't even have to be a different country. I, I, you know, if you, maybe it's, you know, just, just a, a very different place with very different people is, a, is, a, is, a, is kind of a, was it, was an influencing factor for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that from a couple of people. Uh, well, lots of people, but like one of the other guys I, I interviewed, he moved a lot of schools to a lot of different schools and yeah. And each time he was in a new school, he kind of could kind of reinvent who he was. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. Huh. Well, it was, and even like, you know, it's funny that things that you, like, I, I think it was sport, you know, so in, in America, my, my. I, I, I did long distance running, cross country running and, and, and I played soccer in the rest of the world's football. And I was in the States, I was reasonably good at soccer and I played from a little kid and it was pretty new to the culture that I would have been playing in the late sixties. I probably would have started. Um, and you know, so, you know, a 16 year old, I'm going to this new school. And it's like, this is what I have, you know, this is, I'm going to be. This is what I can, I can, uh, I can show them that I, I'm good at something. So they'll like me, you know, and I, I was terrible at soccer because they all, you know, when they're just, when they learn to walk, they're given a soccer ball of it. And, and they, you know, they, um, and it just, the, 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 the standard at, at least when I was growing up was so far beyond, um, yeah. uh, beyond me anyway. And, uh, so I couldn't even make the team. Um, and running, I also just, it wasn't good enough. Um, uh, but the funny thing was in the States, I was, I was never particularly good at basketball, but you know, most kids in the States can play basketball because it's kind of part of our culture. And they had just recently discovered basketball. And so my brother, who was very, very good in the States, um, even at middle school, the high schools were like, you know, they wanted him to come to the, there's their their school. He was great. I, I wasn't great, but I could play. And so that was, that was our gift. We were like, they were, they you know, the, you know, just the two look what they can do. And they, these guys did my, the boys in the school, they couldn't even dribble. They could dribble from their mouth. They couldn't dribble a basketball. You know? <laughs> and, and, um, uh, we, you know, I think both of us got, uh, I think helped them and, you know, see that game and uh, enjoy it. My brother really did. He was there for a much longer time. I was only there for two years. Yeah. He was there for four or five years. Whilst he was there, they became, you know, they, they went right up to being, you know, com competitive and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> differences in, in your skill levels. Exactly. It's all relative. Yeah. No, that's cool. Uh, you're, you touched on work a little bit and people sort of having aha moments or coming up with ideas and with market, the market research and stuff that you did, a lot of it, as I understand from our 
conversations before is, is having kind of these creative workshops, uh, and, and just getting people to talk and brainstorm together and, and what, like, what are some of the ways you've found for, for getting other people to be creative who might not normally identify themselves as being creative? I think, you know, I think that for, I don't think it was that complex for me. Um, you know, what we did, we did qualitative research and we call them workshops because we didn't like the stigma that was attached to what we, what we were doing, which is mostly what we were doing was focus groups. Mm. And because the majority of, um, focus groups as they're practiced in the States are still pretty pedantic, kind of boring, uh, asking people questions and listening for their answers and, you know, and it, it just doesn't, it's not the way I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's everybody practices it that way, but the, the standard, um, uh, isn't that high. I think in England where we, where I learned, um, it, it's also the home of qualitative research, uh, late 1950s, early sixties, it started, um, Schlackman, I think his name was Bill Schlackman, I think. Um, anyway, you know, I, I, I got to learn from the masters there and then we came to the States to, you know, to, to, to have our company, um. And I, you know, I think from the very beginning, people, especially creative advertising agencies, um, you know, Goodby Berlin Silverstein, which is, um, I guess it's now Goodby, um, Silverstein and partners or something. Um, but there were, and Wyden Kennedy and, and Shahid Day was a, a big patron early on because they kept bringing us from England first to, to, to help develop advertising campaign ideas for the, with them. Um, they saw the magic in the way we conducted our workshops. Um, and I get, you know, for me, it was really simple. I think that it's, it's like people respond and participate in, in an experience, um, based on the role they're expected to play. Okay. So, and people play different roles. All of us play different roles in our lives every day, you know? Um, and I guess my, and I think most research, definitely quantitative research, which is data driven. Um, and I definitely want to talk about data driven kind of, uh, work versus kind of the kind of work that we did too. But I, you know, the, anyway, quantitative research or even qualitative research, which is kind of Q and a based, not really listening to people and working with their ideas or whatever it's, um, what happens is that the participants are treated like consumers and they play their role as consumer. So they're not always genuinely themselves, you know, they're, they're, you know, you know, would you, which, which salad dressing do you like the, the, the one with uh, the really yummy one with all these great ingredients and this kind of, kind of a high sugar and lots of calories, but, or do we have this one, which is half the calories and uh, much better for you. And, and uh, well, you know, as a consumer, you, you, you'll say, well, I, I go for the lower calories because I care about my, uh, you know, my health and the reality is often that's not the case and it's, you know, and, um, so I guess what we always did in our work was instead of, I, I, I think what happens in, in a lot of research is that you're putting the respondent, you're not treating them like a person, you're treating them like you're treating them as a respondent and, and you're basically asking them to judge on things. Would you like this? How much do you like this on a scale of one to five? How much would you do this or, or not do that or do, agree with this or not agree with that? 
and you just kind of say what you think you should say or ought to say, but desire and, and impulse and instincts, none of that's kind of part of what you're finding out, um, which is where reality kind of lives. Um, so I would say uh, what I should have said in the beginning, because it was a shorter answer, instead of treating consumers as judges of what they buy or not buy, what they like or what they don't like, we always treat them as kind of co-conspirators, co-creators, you know, collaborators. Um, they were in on the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and in terms of the way we did it, you know, you, 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 when you let down the, you know, um, the curtain and you, and, you, and you make sure that everybody participating knows why they're there, how they're going to help, you know, designing a new line of, of, of you know, sports shoes or, or athletic equipment or jeans or whatever, or, or often with our work, it would be a new advertising campaign, branding campaign, whatever that, you know, we're going to, we have rough ideas and you're going to, they're going to be like, we're going to treat them in this group like seeds and you're going to grow them together by working off of each other, you know, using your imaginations, um, listening and building and listening and building to each other. And our groups were always very dynamic and uh, had a lot of energy. Um, and that's our, our role as a moderator was really to facilitate that kind of energy. Um, and there, you know, people would leave and they would be so kind of jazzed by what, you know, they, they just experienced. Yeah. Everybody likes experiencing something, you know, collective creativity, sparks flying, you know, coming up with something, seeing things in new ways. These things would, would often happen in our workshops, you know, yeah. and, and they felt like they were really, and they were really part of the larger process, the larger creative process that mm -hmm. happened. Um, they played and they realized they played a, a critical role in all of yeah. that. So that's a big difference that, you know, that, um, yeah, not, not respondent isn't treated as, you know, uh, judge, but they're treated as kind of co-conspirator, co-creator kind of. That's very cool. And how you sort of, uh, mentioned a bit about data, how do you see companies using data now? Or yeah, I guess that's kind of what there's a bit of a trend towards big data and stuff. And what, uh, what's your feeling there with quantitative versus qualitative research? And yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's interesting. And, and I think I don't want to go into it all now, cause you could, but you could literally be academic and, and look at waves where since the, since 1960 to today, where data-driven quantitative input into creative processes and advertising anyway, we're kind of ruling the roost. And then at other times, the softer measures of humanity, qualitative ones would, would, would have some, uh, you know, more, more status and, and then, you know, and then, and then, you know, a little, sometimes they're, they're kind of even or whatever, but, you know, today's world, which is all algorithm generated, you know, sales, basically that's based on, you know, we're, we're uh, by being a purchaser, we're also actually being, you know, uh, a, you know, a research respondent because we're, we're, you know, the data of what we buy and how we buy as, as everybody knows now, it's all goes into these huge, I don't know, data driven, I don't need whatever happens in those computers and then spits out, you know, what the trends are and, 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 and what to sell individuals and, and individual segments and all that kind of stuff. Um, but whether, whether it's today's version of, you know, what happens with purchasing online with, you know, Amazon's the best example, but it happens on every single level of just, you know, 
all your tastes are, are monitored and, and, uh, and, and your social media and everything. And then you're, you're being targeted advertising and messaging and products that, um, fit your profile, fit, mm -hmm. you know, what, what you already do. Okay. Uh, that's happening now, but even in, you know, throughout recent history, and again, I'm, I'm going, you know, it's, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, what the more data-driven the decision-making um, that leads to developing products and communication brands evolving, you know, the more data-driven it is, the more you're, you're doing things literally by the, by the number, you're, you're satisfying what's already going on. So you're, you're, you're basically, you're selling people what they already know they want. Mm. And, and I would argue that quantitative research, if, if that's the only input you're using to, to develop, you know, product and develop communication that, and develop your brands or whatever, that, that, um, um, that that's the, that you're, 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 you're recognizing what people already want and you're satisfying that need. Okay. That they, you know, that or that, that even that desire, you know, that you know what they want. So you, you give them more of that. And what's missing in, in that is that you don't get to find out what people don't know they want. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's a, in my mind, the kind of work we did is kind of the softer measure of, 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 of an individual's interests, um, desire and want, you know, that's where that that's where the delight in discovery happens. You know, um, if you, if you can get a little, if you can get insights into what people didn't know they wanted, but when they see it and they come across it, it, it truly delights or it uplifts or it expands, um, you know, then <laughs> That's a good thing, you know, and mm -hmm. my biggest concern is that it, that when you scoff what I'm talking about and just go for the data-driven solutions, that things become more and more pre predictable, more expected. Mm -hmm. um, the status quo, your personal status quo, the way what your comfort is, is fed and fed and fed. So you don't explore, you don't try as many new things. I don't have stats to back up what I'm saying. It's just been my instincts forever that calculated data-driven decision-making processes result in marketing and product that is predictable. Yeah. Uh, and that if you truly want to go out and, 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 and mine for real insight, that that's when you, you push, you know, I, I, I can give you one, I, I can't think of that many, I, I, it's something about being retired on all the stories, but there's one story that pops to mind. Um, and it was a story that came, the very famous, uh, shoe designer. And I think I talked to you about him, Tinker Hatfield. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. Or whatever. And I had the, you know, the good fortune on a handful of occasions to actually, you know, he was involved in some of the projects and, 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 and met him, um, a few times way, 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 way back, um, 30 years, 25 years ago. Um, but anyway, you know, he designed. My understanding was that he designed all the Air Jordans, you know, from especially I know, I know from the beginning of that whole phenomenon. Um, and you know, you've got young young kids, uh, especially inner city kids, who 
would just be desperate for that next Air Jordan, you know? And the designs of those, a lot of them were really out there. I mean, like, like, like unsettling, you know, like, and I remember doing a workshop and I, uh, I had a bunch of teenagers in the group and I dumped out all these Nike shoes and they didn't know it, but one of them was going to be like in, in three weeks from now, that was going to be the new Air Jordan. And this kid picks this up and he says, let me tell you about how Air Jordans work. Okay. He, he knew it wasn't out yet. They knew it was coming. And I said, I'm looking at this and I'm telling you right now, when I look at it, it's butt ugly, but I'm telling you that once it gets into the world, like in three weeks, I'm going to be in line for it. And I'm going to be doing everything I can to get it and get the money to get it. And, and the thing is, I'm my say, I'm going to look at it and it's going to be so cool. It, and he really designed, he, he actually describes something, which I think happens in the design process. That's not just what we individually see, but it's this kind of um, momentum, cultural momentum as, as more and more people start to see some, the same thing in a certain kind of way that it becomes not, but ugly, ugly, but actually like groundbreaking. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Really different. So, um, that, that, that's why I'm sharing you this example that, you know, and, and Nike, I think, and then they had a d design ethos there that I think that, um, uh, nurtured this, um, that, you know, that you got to push yourself outside the norm. Um, and, and you have to help people see something that they didn't know they wanted, but it, it excites them. It provokes them. It, it, it engages them and, um, in ways they never imagined. So anyway, I, I am going back, maybe going back to magic. May, I, I've, I guess I've always been seeking the little bit of magic in our everyday lives, even if it has to do with marketing and buying stuff, consumerism, you know, it's, it, you can even have magic there. And, and then when you do, to me, it makes it worthwhile. Yeah. I'm just having more stuff, you know? Yeah. No, I like it. That's cool. <laughs> right. Are you ready for uh, another, another bow tying attempt? Sure. You want to see if you can break your record? I mean, I guess, you know, I don't, again, I'm tr trying really hard to not be competitive. So, <laughs> but it would be nice to see what happens. I, and I, maybe I'll try and see if I can do something. Maybe I'll try and make the blue come out next time. So oh, it's like already even, right? Yeah. Like that. Okay. Cool. You ready? Yep. All right, let's see your, your palms. Okay, go. Oh, it's looking quick this round. I'm trying to decide which way to put the, the bow tie, front or back. See, there's two color choices here. He's got his first bow over, done, and he's the long end over to get that second bow through. Threading it through this time is looking good. Oh, he's close to done. It's just tightening things up a bit here. Oh, you know, I'm not going to let it be. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. I'm going to make it a little bit special here. Whoops, uh, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, I don't care if it takes more time. Okay. 
<laughs> yeah, I got him a little bit twisted this time somehow. Let's see. Just a matter of shaping it up now, but I'll be, I'm going to be longer, but more pleased with this one if I can make it work. Let's see. Dave, red and blue. Play there. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool, yeah. It's a little, a little bit slower, but. <laughs> well, wasn't I didn't see it. I was curious if I could do it. And I, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you had a, a one, 127. Ah, yeah. Maybe the next time. It was worth it, it uh, to delight the audience. <laughs> oh, you see. I'm not sure it actually does work. You know, the thing is, it, it did get a little turned around if you do it that way. But anyway, yeah. This one's so long. I'm just uh, sorry to. Yeah. Or you can untie it if you want. But I might just untie it. Yeah. Uh, you've, see, got one go. more, you've got one more try. Okay. So, uh, so now, now uh, you're happily retired. And you mentioned a bit about, you've got some creative outlets, uh, like just like everyday things, right? And yeah, I'm with your grandkids working on your boats. Uh, what are there any other examples of, are you, do you still feel like you're being created? Like that's still there in your life? Uh, I think so. I mean, well, I, I think I mentioned this, but I. I'm kind of excited about having this new magic show with my three-year-old grandson. Yeah. So we've done a couple of shows and what's, um, I, my window with him is only so wide, you know, cause he's so darn cute. So Dude. what happens, a magician, it really helps when everybody's looking at the cuteness, I can do all sorts of, you know, things they shouldn't see. That's awesome. So I could <laughs> I win. And, um, and I still get such a kick out of, although he, you know, he kind of has an idea about how the tricks work. He's still of an age where when they actually happen, he's like, wow, <laughs> how did, how did, so his reaction also, so I, I was, you know, um, but anyway, the, um, am I being creative? You know, I thought, I thought I have, I have literally of my desk here. I have all my watercolors and brush brushes and stuff. And. I kind of, if I had imagined retirement, I would have imagined painting a lot more and sketching a lot more. And I, and I to be honest, I haven't been, if yeah. anything, much less. If, if And I haven't done any watercolors for probably a year. So I wonder why, I, I don't even really want to analyze it. I, I just, I've, I've been very, very busy and, and, and involved and, and doing lots of stuff. And, um, you know, uh, am I still being creative? I don't know. I still... You know, even when I, uh, on the, the nonprofit Intracambio, I'm so, feel so close to, and I'm on the board of there, um, you know, I'd like to think that the way I participate always brings in a different perspective. I guess that happens for everybody. Um, but that's, you know, my contribution is, is just, you know, usually to do with communications, you know, how they talk about what they do and what makes them special, what makes them different. Mm. Uh, and how they also, you know, in this case, it's not selling more stuff. In this case, it's, it's making a societal impact in a positive way. You know, the more 
people who move to this country who don't speak English or don't speak English confidently, you know, if you can give them the tools to, to learn and, and, and to learn about the culture and to learn about the language, um, you're really helping in all sorts of ways. And the way we do it, um, it's a learning experience for the volunteer teachers as well, too, because it's all, you know, you, you're learning about each other's lives and histories and, um, yeah. viewpoints and all the things we all should be doing anyway, all the time, but we don't, you know, did you feel pressure to be creative? Like you get this label of being a creative perhaps, uh, and there's like yeah. pressure to, to live up to that name or, and it's not always necessarily healthy, maybe. Yeah, you know, I um, I think it in my chosen vocation, and by the way, this is part of part of the, the biggest beauty for me about um, retiring has been, yeah, I, I've, I've been we've been we, Vicky and I and Lisa have been easing out for the last three years or so. For me, absolutely cutting the line, like a fishing term, you know, just like letting go of all of that mm. period, not dabbling, not going in and, you know, giving the occasional talk at, at CU or, um, take, let alone taking on a project or whatever. I mean, truly let it, it this, it, it, it just, it's, um, it's been so good for me. And I think part of it is part of it is like what you do in life often, I think can, is a big part of your identity you know, like, you know, how other people see you and, um, there's something humbling in a very positive way about kind of taking that away so that now I'm, I'm just serving myself up. I mean, I'm, I'm just, Ar if someone meets me, I'm just Arnie, you know, it's like, it's not Arnie. Oh, you know, he, he, he does this or he, he worked on that campaign or he, you know, it's not that, that I'm not, you know, that's not part, at least in my head, that's not how, who, who I am or how I'm seen. Um, and it's, been a very good thing it's it's exciting it's exciting it's going it feels like going out into the world in the same way as when i graduated university going out into the world and truly not knowing what i was going to do yeah uh, and it's it's similar um in that kind of in, on an emotional level of the excitement the almost giddiness i i just i'm 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 leaving myself open to seeing what comes our way you know in life um, so uh yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But if anyway, in terms of being a creative, I I I don't I, I I have to say I haven't I don't I wouldn't have labeled myself a creative less of you know, although I think I've always uh, felt of myself and people who know me very well would, would probably say, Oh, he's yeah, he's quite a creative guy or he's quite a creative person. And I and I'm guessing they would just say that just because I don't know. I sent them a card with a picture or something that I drew on it, or, or if they were a client, you know, they, they saw a, a report that never looked like a report that they normally get. It had watercolors in it and, and, and sketches and, and all sorts of things that they don't normally see mm. as opposed to a bunch of bullet points, page after page after page, you know, which is what they do normally see. Um, I don't feel like I ever tried to live up to that reputation. I, I did live, I did want to always bring to the table something fresh and something new. Um, and, um, you know, and, and I, and I, yeah, so it, I'm not sure it really answers the question about, you know, how one labels oneself. Um, I think 
you know, in an advertising agency, there's literally, you have, there's like three species. There's the account people, the creative people, and the strategic people or planners. And, uh, and there's other media, blah, blah, blah. but, but the, the, on the whole, those are the three types. And I've even seen people who've done like analyses, like, oh, you know, the creatives, um, what, what is that? Uh, like the Eric Burns TA transactional analysis, they'll say, oh yeah, they're, they're the child in the agency. They get to, you know, have fun and, and, and foster their desire to, you know, and then the, uh, and then, and the strategic people, the planners, they're like the parent in the agency, you know, and it's like what you should do, what you ought to do, you know? And, and then the account people are like the adults <laughs> and they're just kind of weighing everything and, and, and proceeding with the process in a nice rational way. And, you know, and it's interesting. There's some, I only bring that up because it's, it's an exaggeration and, and um, it's this kind of stereotyping, um, but there's some truth that runs through seeing yourself in a certain way or wanting to be yourself in a certain way. And, you know, a lot of the creative people that I've met, um, you know, I, th I think they live up to that. You know, they have, they have to, you know, almost like, I don't know whether they, they consciously behave a little bit in a certain way um, to keep that, that impression as well as how they see themselves. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I've always tried to mix that up. I remember, I remember Nike, a, a profound thing. It was, it was the launch of ACG. So it's like the outdoor uh, line that they came up with. Yeah. And before it had a name and, and before, you know, when it was in the concept stage, we were working with some internal workshops at Nike. And I, I just, I remember we had basically design, half of the room had, were designers and half the room were the kind of marketing and, and business PLMs. I think they're called, they, they, marketing people. It, um, and, and we, we, we would have, we did different role-playing, but one of the role-playing I did was I, I wanted them to, I wanted them to be the consumer. You know, I wanted them to pretend to be the consumer and, and, and literally, you know, first picture the consumer. So we did, we, we put probably the people they wanted to sell their, their, their new outdoor line to, you know, who were they? And we, we, we kind of work out maybe some different general, different, you, in marketing, they would call them segments, but you know, like general types of people that would be interested in this. And then we would just say, okay, you're going to be these people. And then we would just kind of play it out and, and a day in the life of kind of stuff or whatever. And what was interesting is the, the, the business people, I remember, I remember distinctly, it was, it was, they had a harder time staying in that kind of empathetic way, staying in the role of, of the people who were their consumers. Yeah. Whereas the diners, I, 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 if my, if my memory is that they, they find it much easier to slip into that role, you know, to play that role. And I just, you know, it, it, it kind of shows possibly how some people in creative disciplines may have this kind of deeper connection or empathy mm -hmm. in a natural way with the people that they want to connect with their design, you know, mm -hmm. create that little magic and that connection. Whereas the people who were responsible for the, you know, selling this stuff, which is serious, you know, they, they, um, they had a little, they were just, there's more detachment, I guess. I, I don't, it, it hasn't been important for me to label myself creative, um, nor want to be seen as creative. Um, I, I just kind of practiced it throughout my life in the way we've discussed of just trying, taking delight in delighting others. You know, yeah. if I can do whatever I'm doing and we're, this could literally involve going to the 
pool or the park with a grandchild if, if they're delighted or if I'm in a straight straight laced you know big wig advertising meeting if I can do the same thing in that context then that's what's that's that's what uh, what drive what a, what a driving force for me throughout my my life you know and yeah that's, that's interesting and yeah you touched a bit on letting go of your business now you've kind of got this blank slate right like this blank canvas of of things you can do <laughs> it is nice yeah i mean and i i i have to, i can't tell you how um it's not like i have a lot of time i don't and i don't know why i'm so busy but i have a lot of things going on which is great yeah. um and and a lot of it it's just about being engaged you know in, in a lot of different um pursuits and friendship and nonprofits and um you know and, and and being a grandparent we're very involved grandparents you know every week we have uh you know usually two days that we're we're looking after the, the children and and um yeah just like there's a lot going on but i just also feel you know i'm, I'm very excited enthusiastic about just what I don't know is going to happen, you know, uh, around the next corner. Um, it, it feels good. You know, it, it's exciting. Does it feel like time is moving quicker or slower? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> kind of both. I mean, it feels, it feels like time does in, in, in a literal sense of the experience of time. I think it's, it, it can feel slower, but then in, in, in like, where did the week go? It could be like, it's like, it, it can seem kind of fast in that way. Yeah. Um, uh, um, but I guess, I guess it, the reality of having less pressure, um, to deliver, you know, just with the work part of, of, of one's life, it, it, it is a, a freedom to maybe slow down a little bit in terms of just appreciating the moments that make up a day mm. uh, a lot more. And we do, you know, we, every day we go hiking, you know, for example, you know, and, and, and many of the hikes we take are the same hike, but you, you see, you see it in, you know, that time of day and, and that, 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 you know, every day it's different, you know, every, every hour it's different. Every minute it's different, you know, Yeah. and the creatures, you know, and whatever, you know, so anyway, yeah, uh, it, 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 it's, 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 a, I think it's allowed me taking that kind of burden of, there's something wonderful. And I hope, you know, in today's world, at least in the States, that more people from a whole variety of vocations, occupations did retire in their mid sixties, for example, you know, it's kind of a normal thing. You know, um, whether you're a teacher, um, engineer, market researcher, whatever, but you just, you know, you, you, you and I, I worry that it, it's become harder to do that, mm. you know, and, um, and I worry that there's less people that, that don't, aren't, aren't, I, I talk about living the last third with gusto, the last third of life, you know, that in a meaningful way, um, for me contributing too, you know, as well as experiencing. And I, I'm just hoping that, that 
that, 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 that people value that, you know, um, and, and maybe have the opportunity. I mean, I, I, to, to, to have it, I, I don't take it for granted at all. Cause I don't think it's, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how accessible a longer period of life like that is where, you know, when I think of retirement, what I really am saying is not having to work. Yeah. Get a lot. So not having to, you know, and some people, um, got the wonderful, the best friends, uh, Steve Jenkins and, and Robin page. I don't know if I, they, they write children's books and they're so talented and, and, uh, they love what they're doing and they'll be in their nineties and then they'll be a hundred. They'll, they'll still be probably making children's books because they, I know they love what they do. Um, uh, I didn't. I mean, I, I I got fulfillment out of it, and and I and I appreciated my 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 livelihood, um, but the freedom and not having to do it to get along um, is 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 special. I'm still getting used to it. You know, mm -hmm. I told you, well, they really officially kind of closed it. Um, I guess it was probably last December. Yeah. So, would you have like any advice for like? I don't know, 30 year old Arnie for thinking about retirement or like for myself, uh, like. <laughs> um, I would give you two things. Um, it's, it's great. Um, I just, I, it, it sounds so hokey, you know, you know, here, here the whole time I've been talking about like, 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 you know, stepping outside of like what you say, what everybody else says, you know, like everybody else says is like cliche. I never use the word cliche. That's another thing. You know, like stepping outside of cliche or what, what you expect to hear. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the, one of the things I, that all of my children have, have heard and I know, um, but really if, if you're, you know, by the time you, you get to be 30 or so, um, I, guess, I apologize for how predictable this sounds, but so, if you, if you diligently save money, yeah. Well, um, we had, a cause we had our own small company, we had a profit sharing plan, but we put, put the most we could. And I remember being, you know, 28, 30 years old or whatever, whenever, probably 30, 32, when we started to really do that. And I just thought, why are we doing this? I could, we should keep the money, get in the market, we, you know, play, go have fun, go on another trip, buy a new car, yeah, I, you know, all that stuff. But no, we, we really were um, so disciplined about putting in the max we were allowed to every single year. And the, re and the reality is, and, I, and I'm not a financial person that can tell you how this actually works, but if you do it and you do it a disciplined way and you put it in, you know, in, in, in um, mutual funds, and I can't get myself like such an old guy, uh, mutual funds, whatever, but you, you do it every single year, then you've got a pretty good chance when you are in your 60s a, yeah. a, a real nest egg, you know, so that, that's, that's one thing. And I, this kind oh, of, cool. embarrassing. the other thing I would say is that, um, I had, so I think that we, we've always, you know, um, donated money to causes we cared about and we're not big, you know, philanthropists or anything like that. Cause we're not big anything, you know, we don't, we don't, um, but we, you know, we, I think well, every year we would, um, have a budget and we, we, we donate money to a, a range of causes that we care about. So only in the last, and this isn't just from re retirement, I would say the last 10 years or so, um, have, have we started to, to, to get, to, to, to spend personal, like real time 
doing something that we care about that helps others. So for me, it's been teaching English. Okay. So I was teaching English in Intercambio. Um, I did it for a couple of years. I, 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 I'll, and, it, and, and, and it was wonderful. And then now serving on the board of Intercambio and being very involved with their growth and, and where they're going, um, you know, spending real time in, in meetings and, and with people, um, uh, giving that kind of time to, um, to help an organization that you really care about grow. Um, basically, hands-on time. I had no idea how rewarding it was. You know, I really didn't. And I, I, knowing what I know now, I, 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 I would, I would have started it earlier. Um, something, you know, whether you're going to be like a big brother or something or mentoring kinds of things or, yeah. you know, uh, whatever, whatever you, and it doesn't even have to be formal, but you know, just something that you want to do that helps others. Yeah. It, in in a, in a, and and you know and I just wish I'd um, I, I don't I don't have regrets because I, I you know plenty of time hopefully knocking on wood to to make up for it now um, but I I would have uh, liked to have started that a little earlier yeah that's cool awesome <laughs> that's great uh, there was something you brought up before you mentioned someone David David White or. Uh, the, like, oh, like a philosopher or someone. Yeah. yeah. And I don't, you know, his name is David White and I think it's W H Y T E. And he yeah. is, I thought he, I'm pretty sure he's Scottish. Um, and I don't, I don't know him personally. I I've read one of his books or some of one of his books, but a, a great friend of mine, uh, Chris Riley, uh, does know him and, and does these kind of off-site sessions with him and stuff. Um, but uh, I, I don't know him, but he would be, you know, he, he, what, he just, he sounds like such a stimulating, you know, person who really, you know, uh, I, all that kind of, again, it's cliche when you talk about empowerment and, and helping you, you know, see your future, uh, the future you want to make for yourself and all that. But he does sound like someone who really does know how to make that happen for a lot of people. So. And I think well, you were kind of talking about that uh, in relation to your own, like to retirement and your own life and oh, what, oh, that's, yeah. what thoughts have you got there? And I guess it was about well, being present. Uh, you touched on that a bit, like enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. It was, it was funny. I guess I was just telling you a story where it happens a lot where, you know, it must've, it must've happened to you at some point where you, you feel like you have this epiphany about life, you know, and it, cause you, and, and, it, and you think, wow, that's pretty cool. And for me, actually this whole, like truly letting go, the, the truth in letting go, um, the rewards in letting go, um, the freedom in, in letting go, um, how hard it is to truly let go of something, especially when it comes to a vocation or something, you know, like that. Um, that using that as a, a pivotal point in one's life um, to open yourself up uh, to being able to, you know, be present for new possibilities. Um, I thought, wow, you have to do that. You have to let go of something like for real if you really want to open yourself up and present yourself up to, to, to new possibilities. 
And I thought, I thought I'd figure this thing out, thing out myself. And I was telling my friend Chris on the phone and he's like, oh, yeah, I just got back from a workshop with David White last week. And uh, that's exactly what we're, we, we spent. The- <laughs> which is great it means none of us are alone we're not alone um and just kind of gratifying about that too isn't isn't there you know the the i always i always felt that that the the the, the really meaningful things the the humanity that you it just um the shared experience of humanity is where a lot of the magic in living a life is is to be found um and uh yeah i try to i try to practice that one every day and and with whoever i come across you know yeah uh, yeah and that's interesting with intercombio right with their different like you were saying there's like different languages and cultures there and it's basically you have these different flavors uh but underneath it all is kind of a common humanity yeah i mean uh, they have a thing there's a a thing that that we do that that's really evolving actually i think it's going to also really evolve continue continue evolving nationally not just locally you know in colorado but it's called community conversation and uh it's a it's a structured way of bringing people in a community who would like to have conversations with uh, in english with um, people who want to learn english and it's uh it's it's such a beautiful thing. It's such a simple, such a simple idea, um, to get, you know, recently in the last year and a half, it's been on zoom, of course, but, uh, it's also, it started off being in person and, and it works in, in, in both ways. Um, but you know, just to, to have a 10 minute, 15 minute conversation with, with a couple other people and, you know, someone's from Guatemala, someone's from Iran, someone's from America and you, and you, and you're talking about something and you're sharing your perspective, which is so influenced by your history, which is so influenced by your cultural context. You just learn so much about one another, um, both about the, the, those common golden threads that run through humanity, um, as, 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 as well as just, you know, truly different perspectives that help, help everybody just see a little bigger, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. <laughs> how does that, how does that work? Is there like a moderator or like questions that are like suggested questions or? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 um, they, they put a lot of thought, um, and, 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 uh, developed, uh, you know, very specific ways of facilitating these sessions. So it, it, they're, 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 they're conducted and facilitated by people who've been, um, trained through intercambio, the intercambio way, which, so they, they give all the tools to, to train and practice and do, um, so there'll be a facilitator and then typically what happens is that, you know, you're, everybody comes together either physically or on zoom and, 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 you know, they, they, they first explain what the sessions are going to be like. Um, and then you, you, you're broken into separate rooms, either in a school or on zoom with the chat things or whatever, but you, you, you basically spend time with maybe two other people that, that are the students and you're given, um, uh, different topics. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and for, you know, it's, it's, you know, if it was just an ESL, uh, 
English second, second language, you know, typical class, you, you say, well, what great practice for English, which is why we do it. Of course, it's great practice for English, but it worked the way that the intercambio way works. It, it, there's a whole nother level of cultural exchange, mm. uh, awareness, cultural exchange, where you just, you know, there, there's this, this much deeper thing that is happening. Um, that just is, is kind of life enhancing for everybody because you're, you're sharing history and experiences and you're, um, you're, you're also making your community bigger because you're getting to know different people in your community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. and, uh, it's, it's, it's really special, but yeah, no, it's, you know, they, they it's, it's, there's a format and a structure and the people who are kind of conducting it, set, set it up the right way. Um, you do breakouts on your own. But, you know, everybody who participates has had a little tiny bit of training, even if it's one hour they give, like if I, if I signed up and I'm living in Boulder and I just want to attend one of these things. And then the night before I did it, I would be in a kind of a little training session to you know, make sure uh, that I, I know how, what to expect and given some ideas on how to, you know, participate. And uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's terrific. You know, it's, it really is. It's, it's really, really special. And it makes me want to, I, I want to do more of them. It'd, it'd be nice if everybody did, did one of these. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's a good thing to have. Yeah. All right. Ani, would you like to have your last <laughs> attempt? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can know the road. I, I think I'm not going to be trying to be fancy on this one, but we'll see what happens. I'm going to try to get into the zone, the, the, um, I was gonna the bow ties, bow tie tying zone. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Okay. Okay. Tell me. Okay. Ready? And go. This is last attempt. He's going for the record here. Super quick. Is he gonna get it? He's got that first bow already. Coming for the second one. Things are looking a little bit messy. I speed that counts right now. Uh-oh. Oh, no. I'm going to have to start again. Wow, my... See, you know... You're going for speed there. <laughs> no, there you go. I, I, cause it, which is not my nature. The, my best time was when I wasn't so concerned about the speed, but... Yeah. yeah. There's something in that. Did you see the picture I sent you, by the way, of my daughter putting a bow tie on me? I sent you an email just before our session. Nice. I'll show it to you in a second, but uh, there we go. So he's just... Tightening it up now and accepting that he's not going to beat his earlier time. Could work on he. Nicely done. Cool. <laughs> Recovery. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good seeing as you did it twice. Yeah. And, you know, I was practicing not getting frustrated, you know, because I, when I messed up, I thought, okay, let's do it again. Yeah. Um, so I did say, I, I took a photo of this, but this was at a wedding in England and my, my, my daughter, Lucy is, she's 
very, very creative. And um, she took the photo and then she made this. I don't know if you can see. That's it. Nice. It's kind of like a uh, mixed media. Yeah. It's like, That's yeah, awesome. collaging stuff. And uh, I did take a picture. I sent you a, a bat. Very cool. Know. But I, it was just cool. funny. It literally is hanging just to my left. And I, yeah. I hadn't kind of forgotten it until I sat down this morning or last yesterday. I looked up at it and said, oh, good. I got to show Kim that. That's fantastic. Good. Hey, well, Scott, should we update the, I'm going to show you the, the leaderboard. Sure. Sharing my screen. So. Yeah, your times were. You had 42, which was your quickest. Seven point four and one thirty-one. Good thing we stopped there. There was a, a downward trend. <laughs> but you know, my favorite one was that, although it, it's not the top, but I, I the that, middle one. Yeah, the uh, the the red and the blue are both showing their colors. But either way, you. Go to the top of the leaderboard. <laughs> there you are. Nice on. <laughs> it's great. So far, this has been the order of my guests from the bottom upwards. So, <laughs> so it's great. Ooh, get faster and faster and faster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I, I had that advantage as you, as you noted that I did have a period of life when I, I actually did this more, more regularly. Not that it was, it wasn't daily, of course, but yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. but do, do you find it's quite similar to tying your shoelaces? Yeah. Yeah. It I think I do. Yeah. And I do, I do remember when I was doing it all the time, I, one of the times I was doing it where you, you could, I could, would keep my finger in a certain place, I think. And then, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure if I dedicated myself, yeah, I could get even faster. <laughs> yeah. Probably not worth it. <laughs> no, I think that. That this, this is enough. Yeah. This is enough. No. So that was, that was great, Ani. Uh, thanks. Well, let me, yeah, let me, you must stay in touch. And, 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 uh, uh, and I do want to, um, uh, when, when the podcast becomes something, you know, real and out in the world, uh, let me know and I, I'll, I'll, uh, have a listen to. For sure. Um, I think it's such a wonderful thing to do. Um, getting different people's takes on the same subject, you know, creativity. Yeah. I'm getting so much out of it. And it's just a very different, it's very different to just having a conversation with someone. Like, I mean, in some ways it's, it's obviously a bit one-sided because I'm asking most of the questions, uh, but it like forces me to, to try it. Well, I'm always trying to listen to what people are saying, but like, sometimes you get stuck in your own head. Right. So this is like, there's a lot more pressure to be like, okay, I need to try hear what he's saying and, and sort of follow up on that. And, and so that's good. And one, it's like helping me get better at, at conversation and, and better at asking, uh, questions, like asking better questions. I, I found out that just helps like the quality of your questions. Uh, in life, as you grow, get older, you ask better questions, right? And you kind of start to learn, learn more from that because you get, 
by asking the right questions, you get different information coming back. So, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you did a wonderful job. And, and, um, I think that the, the thing that you're doing that, that whether it's natural or, or, or whatever, but what, what makes you such a good interviewer is, um, you you listen so well. So, and re reintroducing and, and recognizing common themes, um, mm. that have come out in the conversation. That's what it's all about to me, you know, because it's, yeah. it's more personal. Um, it's not like coming out and having the, you know, the perfect set of questions asked in the, in a, in a certain order. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you, it was great. It was, yeah. it was a nice to be on the receiving right. end. Yeah. No, thanks for taking part. It's also interesting. The, the editing side of it is very interesting too, right? Because yeah, in, normally in a conversation, you have the conversation, you're done, but like, I'm now gonna sit with this for another few hours, even just like, <laughs> I mean, like it won't, there won't be a lot of editing, but I'll like take out some of the, like, maybe there was like a glitch or something in the internet connection or, uh, yeah. sort of I'll. I'll have it zoom just on your face, some of the things just on my face, just so it's like a bit more engaging for people. Like, uh, so there's this sort of things changing, but anyway, I, it forces me to like, listen to things. And sometimes I hear things differently. I'm like, oh, wow. I didn't think of it like that. And it's so different to a normal conversation, which is also, I'm finding that really rewarding too. So. Yeah, no, it's so cool. It's so cool. Well, I keep enjoying them and, and, uh, um, yeah. And, it, and it's, I think it'd be good to try, try to make them pretty tight too, for, I don't know how, what, if there's like an ideal length of, yeah, uh, you know, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. What, what, so what I'm doing at the moment is I sort of, cause this is great. It's fairly long. Uh, but then I also release some like clips, uh, so people are going to get like a bite size bite-sized thing so yeah it, it might be fun to do i don't know if you can do like a maybe as a promotional part but like um some sort of montage um because knowing you i'm guessing that the people you're talking to that is pretty interesting set of people that did that, that to yeah. come from different places in, in the world and, and it's yeah different. um yeah so yeah maybe a little that's a cool know, idea 30 second minute long uh, montage thing yeah that's a very cool idea i'm gonna keep that in mind Awesome. <laughs> no. Great, Arnie. Yeah, uh, uh, good, good luck uh, with the move. Um,